Hello and welcome to Truth in Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth in Journalism, we're going to talk about an American parable. So if you've paid any attention at all to the news this week, you've heard about the collapse of several large and medium-sized banks. The biggest a bank to go bankrupt, at least as of time of recording, is SVB, or Silicon Valley Bank. And this morning, I'm going to focus on SVB because it seems the least controversial, and it's the event that seems most talked about by commentators, and it has the most impact on the financial system. All right, so in case you either A, haven't been following the news, good for you, or B, you haven't had time to look into all the ins and outs of this story, let me give you the rundown as best I can and as best as I understand it. And so, I now present to you Silicon Valley Bank, an American parable. SVB is, or should I say was, a pretty large community bank in, you guessed it, Silicon Valley. Because of its location, it catered to the tech world. Its major clients included tech startups and venture capital firms, or VCs for short. Now, apparently, VCs loved SVB, and many venture capitalists would recommend SVB above any other bank, and so SVB had a lot of money to work with. But most of that money, and you have to remember, because this is really important to the story, most of that money was tied up in the tech world. Now, to tell you the story of SVB, this parable, we have to go back to 2008. Now, after 2008, there were new regulations placed on banks that were designed to make them more secure and to prevent runs on banks, etc. So, let's stop here, let's pause, and I'm going to say some stuff here that may seem so elementary that, that you feel like I'm wasting your time, but there are people who don't know what I'm about to say. You see, friends, and I don't know who amongst you needs to hear this, but I know some of you do. You see, the banks are not just a bunch of nice people in suits who put your money in a vault for you to keep it safe, you know, out of niceness. When you put your money in the bank, the bank takes your money and they give it to other people who then pay interest. So, you know how banks give out loans. That's not their money. It's not as though the loan officer is putting up her own cash. The banks are gambling with your money. Now, most of them are pretty good at it and they make lots of money. Okay, so if this is news to you, you probably have questions. I remember when I first learned about fractional reserve banking, the obvious question was this. If the bank is lending out money, the money of other depositors, what happens if all the depositors want their money back? And you know what my good friend, the banker, told me? He said, that's really unlikely. But low probability events happen, right? I mean, bank runs do happen as in evidence at SVB. Anyways, so let's go back to 2008. Post-08, there were new regulations from the regulators that would regulate banking. Part of this regulatory revamp was that banks needed to keep a larger portion of their investment portfolio in what was considered liquid assets, and there are definitely air quotes around liquid. Okay, so what does this mean? Well, obviously, banks need to keep a certain amount of cash on hand. And by the way, please use cash as much as possible, but that's another story for another day. Banks need to keep cash on hand, or at least have assets on their ledgers in case depositors need their own money. So the regulators decided that uh, before... 2008, banks didn't have enough money readily available for depositors, so they said, look, you have to keep a higher portion of your assets in a liquid form. Okay, so that seems 
totally reasonable. Like if you if you didn't have enough cash on hand to pay all your depositors in 08, it's a good idea to have more cash on hand to pay your depositors in the future. However, liquid didn't just mean cash. Guess what else the regulators said counted as liquid? If you answered treasury bonds, then you're right, because treasuries are, in fact, pretty liquid. Okay, remember how I said SVB catered to the tech world? Remember how I said that would be important? Okay, so here's why it's important. So a few years ago, there was this worldwide pandemic thing. Don't know if you noticed. And remember how with that pandemic thing, the local, state, and federal governments decided to shut down businesses and prevent you from going anywhere? Right, well, the trade-off was the government shuts down your life, and in exchange, they give you a bunch of devalued money that will increase the national debt. So now, all of a sudden, there are people who are flush with cash and trying to find places to put it, because people know that there's inflation. How can there not be? Well, in the midst of all this free money floating around, people think, boy, oh boy, where should I put all this cash? I know, technology. The young people seem to really like computers. I'll invest in technology. So they do. And now all these tech companies are flush with cash, and they have the enviable problem of having to figure out what to do with more money than they currently need. So they give it to the bank, because, I mean, it's a bank, right? Nothing's safer than money in the bank. So now, because the government shut down everyone's lives and gave them money instead of freedom, people took that cash and invested it in tech, and the tech companies couldn't use it, so they gave it to the bank, primarily in uninsured bank deposits, and why all these companies were putting their money in uninsured deposits is another story for another day, I suppose. Now, the banks have all this cash, but the economy is cash rich. And there aren't enough loans to give out because even though there's lots of cash, there really aren't a lot of good places to put it. So the SVB puts about half of this money in government bills and bonds. Now, we don't have time to go into all the nitty gritty of the government bond market. And as Hagrid told Harry Potter, I'm not sure I'm exactly the right person to tell you that. But let me give you an extremely oversimplified version that's probably going to make all the bankers and investors in this audience wince. But here goes. The government needs people to invest in it, and they issue bonds. A bond is a loan that you give the government, and the bonds that SVB were buying had a face value on them, so that, let's say you pay $1 for the bond, when the bond matures in 10 years, you'll have made a buck twenty-five. Now, the bond market has not only direct purchases from the treasury, but these bonds are also traded on a secondary market. But here's the deal. The face value of the matured bonds fluctuates every time the government issues new ones. So because inflation has been so low for so long, the face value on these bonds is practically nothing. The bond is basically just cash. Now, the clever amongst you have already spotted the problem. What's the problem? Well, if SVB has lots of money in bonds that have a face value that's very low, what happens when inflation hits? Well, you realize a loss on those bonds is what happens. Now, you could sell them on the secondary market, but you'll sell them at a loss because the person buying them knows that the face value will be inflated away. So they want to buy at enough of a discount so that they will actually make money when the bond matures. Now, the obvious answer is to just take the loss, wait for the bond to mature, and learn your lesson. But remember how I said that the fact that SVB catered to tech and venture capital was important? Well, it's important again. You see, tech companies fail, and a lot of them go a very long time before they actually become profitable. A lot of tech companies do nothing but eat money for a good long while until they become profitable. Even large companies might not be as profitable as you think. So what happens when 
these not yet profitable companies who used to be cash flush with investor money suddenly stop having all that sweet, sweet money flowing in. They go to the bank, obviously. Except here's where things get really uncomfortable because the bank doesn't just have your money in the vault. It's tied up in bonds and bills. So obviously sell the bonds and pay your depositors, except you can't. Because let's say you bought $91.3 billion worth of government paper promissory notes that you intend to hold to maturity. Except those aren't worth $91.3 billion. They're worth less than that. How much less than that? Well, they're worth so much less that you can't pay your depositors back. And we all know what happens then. So what did we learn? What is the lesson that we should all glean from this tragedy? Well, first things first. I think it just shows that people in suits and ties who have fancy degrees from top-tier schools can be fools, too. Just because you have a corner office doesn't mean you can't do something utterly boneheaded. You see, SVB's investments required two conditions to lead to catastrophic failure. The first condition was increased bond rates. Now, you might want to come to defend SVB. You may want to be their white knight and say, well, look... Fed rates were at all-time lows for a very long time, so it stands to reason that they would stay low. Okay, if you say that, then you need to study up on logic, because that's called the gambler's fallacy. That's basically saying that because the roulette wheel was black 20 times in a row, it's more likely to be black this time. Or, of course, you could say that it means that it's more likely to be red. But here's the thing. That's not how that works. It's 50-50 every single time. Now, to be fair, Fed rates aren't pure chance like roulette and human decision-making skews the results. Fair enough. But then it's actually worse than that because Jerome Powell has been saying for a very long time that the Fed was going to increase rates. They said this. And more than that, anyone, anyone who's watched a five-minute YouTube video on monetary policy will tell you that when the government prints money, that to slow down inflation, they have to slow down the velocity of money, which means they need to slow borrowing, which means they need to increase rates. Everyone knows this. This is not a secret. I know this and I'm an idiot. Everyone who has a lick of financial sense knew that there was some heavy inflation coming. And you know how we knew? Because it was already happening. It's true that the Fed had said that they would keep interest rates low as long as inflation was under 2%. That's true. But by 2021, if you didn't predict that inflation was coming and coming hard, then you're no longer qualified to handle other people's money. But, but there's a second condition that had to be met for SVB's errors to become catastrophic. You see, banks make bad investments. Even very smart people make bad investments. Even very smart people doing the best things possible suffer because of events outside their control. Just because SVB made a bad bond investment didn't mean necessarily that they would suffer anything worse than taking a very expensive bath. Except remember the tech startup thing. Yeah, it's important again. Because remember how startups aren't profitable right away? Remember how they eat money? Yeah, that brings us to our sufficient condition. The necessary condition of the bank failure was not having enough liquid assets to cover depositors' assets. The sufficient condition was the depositors wanting their money. And that condition was met. And maybe all the stupid things SVB did 
led to decreased depositor confidence. And maybe the runs on the bank could have been avoided and SVB could have survived. Maybe. But those things didn't happen. Instead, the depositors actually wanted their money, you know, to run their companies. So if we had to summarize what happened to SVB, we could say that they had lots of money and they just assumed that the good times would last forever. They looked at all that money coming in and they thought, man, we're a bank. We can't just store that cash. We need to invest it in something, you know, because we're super smart. So we'll tie all our money up in an asset that can only not lose money if the Fed doesn't do what it said it would do. And even if the Fed does raise rates and our low yield bonds are worth less than their face value, we'll be okay because tech companies are a great investment and they won't need their money for day-to-day -day operations because the good times will just keep rolling along. SVB looked around at the government printing money and giving it away at never before seen rates and they saw tech companies flush with more money than ever and they thought, this will last forever. Now you might be thinking, Luke, they couldn't be that foolish. There's no way they thought low interest rates and free money would last forever. They're not fools. Friends, what's the alternative? That they knew rates would rise and they just made a monumentally stupid investment? I think that attributing this failure to them being fiduciary Pollyannas is less insulting to their intelligence than to presume that they were clear-thinking, hard-nosed doomsday prophets. But right now, maybe you think I've been talking about SVB this whole time. I have, but not really. SVB is a parable of this country. This is the great modern parable of American culture. We have seen what godlessness leads to. We knew it. We knew that godlessness would lead to national moral bankruptcy and all that comes with it. We knew it. And we chose godlessness anyways. Oh, sure, the early days of godlessness are glorious. They're heady days. The early days of godlessness seem like endless summer and eternal sunshine. No more bigotry. No more stuffy preachers moralizing. No more laws. Just freedom. Nothing but total freedom. Let the good times roll. We'll live forever and tomorrow will be just like today or even better. But godlessness may taste sweet as honey in the mouth, but it's bitter as gall on the tummy. And we've glutted ourselves. You see, our nation saw that godlessness has come with a bitter price. Everywhere else it's been tried. But like a fool, we said it won't happen to us. We're special. It'll never happen to me. It can't happen here. Our godless culture could only survive if we would never be forced to pay the price. Our godless culture required that a man doesn't have to reap what he sows. Our national survival demanded that one of the most basic laws of God's universe would either be overturned or at least suspended. We wanted God to be mocked so that we would not reap what we've sown. SVB is the American parable. The difference is we may still have time to change the story. I hope and pray we will, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another exciting episode of Truth and Journalism. Thank you, and may God bless your day to his glory.